before we get started on today's episode, I'd like to introduce to you a brand new segment we'll be incorporating to the Infusion Breakdown Show podcast, our Black-Owned Business of the Week, where we'll be showcasing quality Black-owned businesses for you to support. This week's Black-Owned Business of the Week is the Happy Cafe located in Virginia Beach, where they have excellent food regardless of the time of day, from delicious ham, egg, and cheese croissants for breakfast to amazing crab cakes you can get after 4 p.m. They even have vegan options. I personally recommend the acai bowl, acai bowl, however you want to pronounce it, but be sure to check them out if you haven't already. It used to be communication is key, then it became comprehension is key, but allow me to present you a third idea. Just because you're communicating doesn't mean that it's effective. On this week's episode of the Infusion Breakdown Show, the Breakdown Crew sat in among ourselves to discuss what are the keys to effective communication? Let's see what we come up with. So the question we have for today, what are the keys to effective communication? Comment below. Let us know your opinion. We also have timestamps in the description below as always. Be sure to check them out. All righty. So this is a topic I'm really excited to dive into because I think as we're getting older, um, it can apply to anyone at any age, to be honest. But we really learn just how true and um, how important conversation is. So one thing that I've really been honing in on, like I've like we've been pretty much uh, saying for the past however many episodes about how uh, impactful the COVID times have been, uh, the biggest thing that I've, I won't say the biggest thing, but one of the assets that I have attained over, you know, the past 18 or so months has been you know, truly honing in on communication, like effective communication and being proactive and, you know, really just uh, being honest. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, as a, as a young kid, I used to, you know, quote unquote, tell a lot of stories or I used to lie a lot to kind of get my way, like try and control the outcomes of situation and, you know, just kind of be afraid, being afraid of, um, you know, outcomes that wouldn't necessarily go in my favor or not allowing an outcome to, you know, potentially play out had I have told the truth. So one thing that I really, really honed in on was like centering, centering myself to where I no longer fear outcomes, like whatever outcome that comes from me telling the truth, whatever outcome comes from me communicating, that's the outcome that I deserve to live with. Reason being is because effective communication is always going to provide peace in your life, whether you like the response you get, whether you like the outcome you get, peace is always a short turn around the corner. And you can't, you can't ever lose sight of that. Um, For me, I really, really honed in on being proactive, like case in point, I believe with, um, with you guys is like, no longer waiting until a few episodes or a few weeks before, um, you know, we get things up and going and like trying to figure out a topic, like really communicating with you guys or really putting in on paper because you can communicate with yourself in a lot of ways as well, whether it's journaling or um, you can talk to yourself in the mirror, whatever works for you. You know, those are, those are all ways of effective communication, but it's like truly being proactive and um, taking the necessary steps to, you know, do what needs to be done and get the, uh, the, you know, the best result possible. Um, I think, you know, the tail end of this question uh, that I worded is like, what are examples that um, have come from you implementing? I know one thing that I always uh, talk about a lot is like being a, a single father and like having a successful co-parenting relationship with my son's mother. And the thing is, is like effective communication is the sole root, like the foundation of our successful co-parenting relationship. 
you know, being honest about things that we see with our son, being proactive with things that we see with our son, and then, you know, not being afraid to talk about, you know, touchy subjects when it comes to them. Like we've talked about it before, like my son has has autism. So those are conversations that you may not want to have with each other as far as like things you're seeing, but it's a requirement that you do talk about them because when it comes to things of that nature, like autism, being proactive can put your child, you know, years ahead rather than, you know, being years behind when it comes to ABA and uh, just their development. So effective communication has been tremendous for us because not even with things that come to him, it's, hey, you know, I have doctor's appointment or I have this, that, and the third coming up. Can you take him at this time or can he come over a little bit earlier? Can I drop him off? Like, that's all proponents of effective communication because it creates a comfort zone, not just as far as like, you know, things go to die in a comfort zone, but it creates a comfort level per se to where uh, it allows somebody to come to you with, you know, not really fearing whatever answer you may have. They, you know, you know, that person knows that you're going to shoot them straight. I yeah. think that's like the most ideal situation. What level of responsibility do you take when it comes to communication and in, in a relationship like that you just detail? But in I terms of you having to improve it? Uh, I think it was, it's a, it's a very big thing. Like I, what I'll say is this, my biggest thing in life has always been, I don't really want somebody else to tell me how to live my life. I don't want mm-hmm. somebody to, dictate my terms and when I think of stuff like child support or if I think of uh, like a mediator having to get involved I always look at it from a perspective of all these things could be avoided if you just communicated properly like if you put your differences aside so I felt like I didn't only owe it to myself I owed it to the situation as a whole to be an effective communicator regardless of how I felt or regardless of you know what things have occurred in the past like I owed it to myself first and foremost, and then I owed it to the situation as well to just be honest and effective, effective with my communication. Like, I think I, I played just as big of a role in being an effective communicator as she does because it's a, it's a two process thing or two part, two part thing, two part process. Do you, do you feel like you were the one to initiate the improvement? No, because I feel like she's always been incredibly honest. Like, I think that she's always been the person to communicate. And like I said, my biggest thing has always been I've tried to dictate outcomes. So she was always throughout our relationship, like not afraid to say what I may not want to hear. And I felt like I owed it to myself and I owed it to her to, you know, not necessarily in the same formats per se or same um, circumstances, but I owed it to her to at least up my communication skills to be level with her. Cause she's a, she's an introvert extrovert. Like she likes to be to herself, but she's not afraid to communicate and be out there where, whether I'd like to be like this quote unquote mastermind thinker. Like I like to try and think of all possible outcomes. And, you know, while thinking of these all possible outcomes, I'm like not communicating because I'm trying to pick what's the best outcome that I want instead of just understanding that, you know, a lot of stuff is written in stone before it even happens. Like if you pay, if you're paying attention to all of these um, actions and, and uh, words that are being spoken, it all leads to a predictable outcome. And I think instead of me trying to like dictate what outcome I get, I just need to have solace in understanding that whatever reaction I get has already been predetermined. 
and it's either the universe teaching me a lesson or the universe is, is rewarding me for sticking to what I'm supposed to do and, you know, just be effective and honest with, with the words I say. Solid. As always, I do appreciate the, uh, the maturity that goes into that. Sure. I think being an effective communicator has benefited us a lot as well, like as a, as a trio, because there's no longer like, you know, we have to record at six and somebody's being hit up at like five and like, Hey, I don't feel like recording. Can we do Tuesday? So you've spent, you know, your entire day, like preparing or rushing to get stuff done just, you know, for, for things to uh, get pushed back. Like, I think we've benefited a lot from not just my communication, but everybody's communication as a whole, because it, it allows us to be human and understand that, you know, shit happens. Yeah, but we still owe it to each other to give adequate time to prepare or adequate time to, you know, get get things moved around for a later date. Yeah, it's like you said, like shit is going to happen, but it's about how you deal with it. Sure. And I, I will agree with that and echo that sentiment to where I do think that we've improved drastically over the three year tenure that we've been doing this. Sure. You can go, Brian. Next. Thank you. <laughs> so polite. So when I was thinking about what makes communication effective or what are the keys to effective communication, of course, there's two parts. And so the first and most uh, neglected portion of it is listening, of course. And so I remember there was a TED talk by this woman named Celeste Headley, and she gave an interesting fact. I had to go back and listen to it to make sure I got it exactly. But we have the ability to listen almost twice the speed that we do when we're speaking for the average person. So what that means is that while you're talking, your mind is moving faster than I'm able to, to speak. So we fill in the empty space with our thoughts racing. Therefore, we don't concentrate on things. And so that, that lends itself to the idea of the human mind racing and uh, not being fully attentive in conversation, which I feel like we all struggle from, from time to time, depending on the subject matter, the person, the space, whatever condition you're in at the moment. And uh, so I just thought, I just wanted to share that part first. And so along the lines of listening, I do think that the second thing is being present. And we did a whole episode on why people struggle to be present, but really forcing ourselves to be present and in the moment to experience and understand. And then also to assume that the other person that you're speaking with knows something that you don't because okay, it may be a conversation where you're talking for 10 minutes and only one minute of that is actually something that, that teaches you something, but that one minute could change your life. And I always try to adopt that mindset that comes directly from 12 rules for life and to chaos. That's actually rule number nine. And uh, so that's, that's, my, that's my thoughts on listening. I can't really stress the importance of listening enough. I feel like we tend to focus more on the speaking portion of communication than we do with listening which I don't think is, uh, is up for debate here. I think we, we all can pretty much agree with that. But when it comes to the active or the more active part, because you should actively listen, I feel like there are three parts to speaking. So it's honesty, tactfulness, and then timely. And so honest, I think outside of the, the traditional context of telling the truth, I feel like it also applies to being honest with yourself first. And so I can't count how many times I've been in conversation with someone and they weren't honest with themselves. So they'll say, oh, I'm not angry, but okay, you were just slamming cabinets. 
or something like that. So if you don't know how to properly label your feelings and be accurate with yourself, because they truly deny it. They feel like, okay, I'm not angry. They don't feel like they want to label it that because it's the way it's perceived, even though it's a normal human emotion. But if you're not honest with yourself, how are you going to be honest with me? So therefore, by default, the communication isn't effective. And then I guess that also manifests itself in, in saying that I'm okay. And then just sweeping shit under the carpet when in fact it's not okay, as opposed to saying, okay, something's off here. I don't feel good. I need some more time to talk about this. Cool. I would say that's a more effective way of handling that. And along the lines of honesty as well, I would say not getting out on technicalities because a lot of times people will say, okay, well, I didn't lie because I, I, I told the truth, but I just left out X, Y, and Z. Well, I feel like that's, uh, that's just deceptive. And so by default, withholding information and deceiving people, that's, I try to think about how I feel in those situations, if that was to be happening to me or the impact of it, because provided the full context of a situation, that could completely change the way you behave, interact, the way you process it, your response, all that. And then the second part about tactfulness. So thinking about, is it helpful? Because a lot of people get fascinated with the idea of brutal honesty. And by filtering it through this lens, you actually are able to remove a lot of the, the crap. And so by asking yourself, is it helpful? Is it gonna be conducive and move either the relationship forward or the situation, the problem? Then that allows you to strip away stuff, like I said. But then also asking yourself, does this need to be said? Because I think the most common way that this is brought forth is people bringing up issues that aren't relevant. So we're talking about, I guess, me, I don't know. I wish I had an example. Okay, me not following up to commitments and saying I was gonna, doing things I said I was gonna do. And so we're having a conversation about that. You call me out on something and I start making up something like, okay, well, you were late. So I feel like that, that's something that derails a conversation. There was actually a conversation I had with an attorney during a leadership course. And he was saying, I, ha I had done something like that in a speaking exercise because he had set up a, a conversation for us. He's like, okay, you guys talk about this. He was gonna analyze us. And one of the pieces of feedback he gave us, because I, I had done that brilliantly to, to derail the conversation when I was being um, reprimanded by my manager in that scenario. But he stopped it. He said, this is what people do when they don't have anything else to do. He said, don't have stupid arguments. So if, we, if you're focusing on one thing, try to keep it as subject on subject as possible. Like if somebody's going to try to derail and talk about minor details or something that's completely unrelated, stay out of that realm. And I think that that's something we should do to ourselves and have that, have that lens and think about, okay, well, is what I'm about to say, is it actually in line with the main cause? If not, then maybe it's something you need to revisit later. Not everything needs to be crammed into, into one discussion. I think that's particularly relevant in relationships with uh, significant others and people who you're really close with, lesser so to uh, to coworkers and and I guess lesser acquaintances, but still pertinent nonetheless. And then the last part I had was timely. And so is the is the information delivered in a fashion to where it's still helpful? Because as you said, Des, like with with us for a scheduling uh, example, if you tell me that you can't make a recording at six o'clock. If you tell me at five o'clock that the time by which I get the answer for that, it dictates my schedule a lot. So like I could have went back home to visit, which is a few hours away, 
And so I'm rushing back home so I can record. And then I find out like an hour after I'm like 30 minutes out and say, okay, well, I can't record. It's like, well, damn, I could have stayed a whole extra day. So just thinking about the, the consequences of being considerate of other people and how the time and also the content of your information that you're providing to them has the ability to affect and uh, influence them. So I think that's a, a fairly comprehensive analysis as far as, as far as I was able to put together about communication. And uh, I'd be curious to see if, if you guys had any thoughts on anything that I've said or any points of contention. You want to go first, Des? I agree with everything you said, though. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did too. Um, but I, I wanted to touch on because there's a example that you brought up, and then I think I kind of I may have lost you. But you're essentially talking about the diversion technique, and then you kind of mentioned how like that's something that were you saying that it should be used towards like your loved ones and the and your family members, like in the situation where it's your manager or no, I was saying. That, that Are you saying it, how? I'm sorry, but I'll let you. No, I'll let you finish to make sure I'm answering your question correctly. I want to listen. <laughs> so were you saying it in the in the sense of like you? I don't even know how to word the question because, like I said, I'm a little I'm a little confused as far as far as like the understanding of it. Because when you were talking about like the diversion technique, I was just thinking of like the importance of staying on topic because when it comes to like a um still like for example you're in an argument with your significant other mm-hmm. and I think this is like one of the most common things we see women talk about a lot is that when they're bringing up what their qualm is with you men will try and divert it in, into like I guess try and nullify their their uh or what I'll say is this men will wait until the woman has an issue to bring up what their issue is as a means to like water down what her issue is. And I, like, I was kind of thinking of that diversion technique when you were mentioning what your manager's bringing up. And like I said, I think there was a mis, maybe a um, misstep on my end as far as like the understanding when you, when you brought up like the family aspect. Nah, it seems like, I think you have a pretty comprehensive understanding, but I'll explain it again. So the idea, I said that, it's more important in like our intimate relationships with the people we care about that we're closer uh, with, okay, okay, but it's also applicable to work. And the reason I say that is because of the, the ramifications of it. So let's say if you have those kind of conversations, somebody derails at work, okay, let's think you might be in a meeting for 15 more minutes, or I guess the, the timeline for a project is pushed out a few days. But sure. if you let that shit happen in your relationship and you keep letting it fester, okay, that could be the end of the relationship, whether it's with your significant other or somebody who you're uh, closely acquainted with, like a friend or somebody else in your family. Yeah, yeah. That's the clarity I needed because I was like, man, I'm on board with you when you were talking about the diversion technique. But I'm like, <laughs> well, if you're saying it's really important with the family, then I'm like, man, that shit, shit not adding up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, no, we're, we're, we're solid. And I, I had, I understood exactly, you know, what you were, were getting at that. I think it was just maybe a few pieces I missed because I wasn't actively listening. <laughs> what you got for us, Josh? Um, like I said, I, I do agree with everything you guys said. Uh, for me, what I had was basically being direct and being honest. Um, that was really the main thing because I feel like a lot of people try to be direct 
but they're not like completely direct. They try to, they hold stuff out like Brian said. So I do think that's one of the big things, like being, make sure you're being direct and being completely honest, because if you hold stuff back, it could be cause some problems in the future. Uh, that's what I really had. And as far as like ineffective communication as a whole, I do think this is like one of the like top three biggest problems in society, to be honest with you, communication as a whole. Uh, and I like ineffective communication really annoys me because I would I see it all the time. Like I would see it like with my parents, they'll they'll say something to each other, but they don't uh, completely understand each other. So they're yelling at each other now because they didn't completely understand. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the background as a third party, like he really meant this, but it, she took it as that or something right. like that. And it's not even just with my parents. Like I, I'll see that with a lot of people and it's just, and it's annoying because they don't, they're not listening to the point that they're like, oh shit, you really meant something else, you know? Cause I'm saying it as a third party. I'm like, no, they really meant like this, but they just explained it a certain way. You took it as something else. So um, yeah, that's the biggest, like experiencing ineffective communication is something I've seen all the time. And it's really annoying. So that's why I pride myself on being a really an effective communicator. Um, no matter if we're playing Call of Duty, uh, like you guys said in the fucking group chat right now with the um, with the podcast, making sure we want to record on Tuesday. I think I told you like two weeks ago, like it was like early in the day. I was like, nah, I'll fly record today. <laughs> Let's do Tuesday. Like, nah, not yeah. today. Um, so yeah, I really pride myself being an uh, actual effective communicator because I do think that's one of the biggest problems in... Yeah, man, it's it's. I think it's really annoying too. Like it, it annoys me to the point because how ineffective it can be between people, though. But yeah, but like I said, I do agree with everything you said. I do think the main thing though is just being direct, being honest. Um, yeah, just being direct and being honest because those are the because without that, you could just cause problems into the future. Basically, I agree with you about how problematic. To which. To which degree to say it's like top three problems, I don't know, but I, I will say that that's one of the biggest problems that people face as a whole. And I've noticed as a general phenomenon that communication is one of those things that people tend to grossly overestimate their abilities and think that they're good at it. It's one of those like soft skills, such as parenting or relationships that we think that we don't need to learn about. And there's a slew, there's no shortage of books, of subject matter that you can study, people you can reference, brilliant orators, speakers, authors, all kinds of folks that you can learn from and to teach you become better and more effective in your communication. And we tend to, I guess this is a losing battle is to push for everyone to adopt those resources and make best use of them. But I really, uh, it's, it's a little bit disheartening, honestly, to see that there's such a wealth of knowledge where people still refuse to take it up because they, they feel like that's just a natural skill. Just because you have the ability to speak and make sounds with your vocal cords that you're a good communicator when that's clearly not the case. You think they don't do it because they feel they're a good communicator already? Yes. I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, I do. A lot of people won't even bother to crack a book on that because just because they feel like they haven't figured out. Okay. Never thought about it. You think so, Dust? I'm with, I don't I don't know, man. I think I I see a lot of people like maybe admit that they're not really good at communicating. Like, I I mean, I'm not afraid to admit that I, I suck at communicating because I think for the most part, like, a lot of people have an arrogance within themselves to where they feel like they maybe don't need to communicate. Like, I still have that issue at work. Like, part of me is very um, free-minded and very independent thinking to where, like, if there's something that I'm working on, 
I don't take the time out of the day to communicate and say, hey, I'm working on this. Like my time is much more value and dedicated to getting the resolution than it is to inform somebody that I'm working on finding a resolution that may take a little bit more time. So like I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm very. um, I guess you could say. Develop as far as communication goes, like being an effective communicator, but there's still times that like I sit back and knowledge like, yeah, I really have a hard time being effective when it comes to, I guess you could say authority per se, like not, not authority as far as like, maybe like, um, like cops or whatever, whatever you're going to be like parents or whatever. But, um, when it comes to like management, like I, I definitely have a hard time being an effective communicator to them because it's like, you have to go out of your way to be an effective communicator with them. Like it's you being very, very proactive and, um, literally dotting all your I's and crossing your T's because it's, I think it's very uh, time centered. Like you have to communicate in a timely manner when it comes to um, comes to them. Like it's when I say timely manner, I mean like it's on the spot. Like they need to know pretty much as the, as the uh, action is occurring, whether as like the example we gave, like we have like a plethora of time to like say, Hey, I don't feel like uh, shooting the podcast today. We could do Tuesday or, if it's a real, if it's a relationship based, you know, conversation, like you have time to let whatever's bothering you marinate. And then you have that conversation. Whereas when it's like, you know, your job or whatever communication is required on the spot. And say your manager, you know, I'm not feeling good. I don't want to talk about this right now. Yeah. Come back tomorrow. Like you don't, you don't get that luxury. So I'll admit like as good as I have gotten at communication, like there's still aspects of it that I need to, definitely get better at like even there's times that that I have to get better at you know communicating with myself you know there's times where I'm not meditating or there's times where I'm not taking you know dedicated portions out of my day to journal like those are all like ways of effective communication like we talked uh, on the podcast like maybe two or three episodes ago and I said like there are times that I struggle to articulate what it is that I want to say in the manner that I'm saying it mm-hmm. like that's a blame thing for me. Like I need to get better at doing that. I need to get better at bursting myself with whatever subject that I'm going to be talking about or being comfortable in my setting to say what needs to be said. And like, that leads to the question, like when it comes to the example that you were given, Josh, about your parents, like whose fault is that? Is that the person that's trying to communicate or is that the person that's not necessarily actively listening to try and think of, you know, what possibly could have been meant? It's both. I think the person who's commun- trying to communicate has a little bit more responsibility. Maybe that's just me taking a, a more hands-on approach. It's possible. Being, I'm just thinking of the actual yeah. example of my parents, though, as both. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was more or less with, with Brian on that one, too, because one thing that I, I think we all do this, like, if we communicate something and if we don't get the reaction that we were anticipating, we kind of, like, imaginary or we don't do it in like an action in the moment we kind of scratch our heads like the proverbial scratch head scratch when something is done or said that isn't the way you anticipate it yeah so then i always think like well maybe i need to try and tweak a word of this and i'll say well no this is actually what i meant like that's something that my god brother is very good at like if he if he sees a conversation like the energy of a conversation going away that he did not anticipate He'd be like, well, maybe you're taking it this way and this is the way that I meant it to try. And again, 
what's what's uh, a key component of this is mm-hmm. like not accusing. Well, you're taking it this way in an in a um in a in an accusatory manner. It's like, well, are you taking it this way? Because this is the way that I meant it, per se. So that's why I feel like the onus is kind of on the person that's communicating because you can anticipate the reaction that you're supposed to get. And if it's not the, what you anticipated, then I feel like it's your responsibility to look at, well, what did I say and how can I correct or tweak what was said for that person to understand it better? I agree. Um, but sometimes the other person is just not listening though. You Absolutely. Yeah. But that's you have that. to do your due diligence. You can't take that into account. Of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. You have course. to. I think the best way to to go about that. We actually had a training for this, or well, a, a segment from a training at work, and it was a professor who came to speak, and he was saying, essentially, to meet people where they were at. So if I want to tell you something and communicate an idea effectively to you, it's, it serves me best to not dumb it down for you because you're a smart guy. Maybe you may be in a different industry. For example, you're not in the tech world like I am, but communicate it in a way that you can easily comprehend it because if I'm saying things and just throwing words at you that are advanced concepts you've never experienced before then is it really effective because I think the idea of effective communication is to make sure that the message is understood and received well and so who has more responsibility with that you or whatever hardhead person you're talking to I got you I was going to ask don't you have to be in the right mind state to uh, effectively communicate because Des mentioned like being at work and not wanting to uh, necessarily communicate with his managers. <laughs> Could he just not See, be in the, the right thing, mindset? Though. That's the okay. thing though. Like, like I, I'm, I'm very good at doing energy checks throughout my day. And I know for a fact that that's just like an internal thing with me. Like I'm so big on wanting to be my own person and dictating what it is I do throughout my day and managing my own time that I've always like, since I've, since I've been a kid was like had a problem with communicating effectively in a timely manner when it comes to authority figures. Like there would be times where like I'd have to get a progress report signed and like, I didn't want my mom, even when I had good grades, like I just had a very hard time going to get approval or signatures or things of that nature for things that were so minuscule. And it's like the same thing, except like, I don't fear whatever my manager's reaction is going to be. I'm just so caught up in my moment or not feeling the importance or necessity to communicate in that moment because it doesn't directly serve me. Like that me telling you that I have something to work on doesn't serve me. It allows you to know what it is I'm working on. So if somebody asks you what I'm working on, then you have a response. <laughs> and so it's like, it, I, like, I don't, it's so hard to understand. It's so hard to like break down to where like it sounds rational, but it, it I mean, factor matters is a very irrational, um, it's a very irrational, like, phase of communication that I'm, I'm stuck in for whatever reason. Like, I do my best. Like, don't get me wrong. There's moments where, like, I will communicate to my manager or leaders what it is I'm doing. But it's like after I've already been working on it for, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's like that after it's all like, oh, well, maybe I do need to let them know what I'm doing. Let me go ahead and type it in while I'm at a breaking point within my thought of what it is I'm trying to resolve. Like, let me go ahead and type it in the chat and say, hey, this is what I'm working on. Whereas, like, a lot of people in my in my, uh, my group at work, like, they're very proactive. If they have something they need to work on, they're asking. Whereas, I just go and I work on it, and I tell you after the fact. See, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing, just from my perspective, because you, you are getting things done. But let's say 
if you don't tell your manager and they assign somebody else to work on the same thing, I could see that's that could be potentially detrimental. You have two people working on the same thing and wasting time. But I think sure. that this is just a hypothesis of mine and feel free to shoot it down. But do you think perhaps your stance on, I guess, communicating with your manager has something to do with your like a visceral reaction to be a micromanaged? Like you, I, you seem like you're pretty against it just from from me knowing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah And I'm so totally <laughs> so so you you perceive the fact that you're giving them an update as micromanagement because you, you tend to prefer to work alone or or be left alone to, to do something once you've been given a task. Yeah, sure. I think that's a that's a sound, you know, it's a sound uh take on what could potentially be the issue. I think it's a very solid theory or hypothesis. Well, they're one of the same, to be honest. But yeah, I think I think that's a good take on it. Um, geez, I forgot what I was about to say. Micromanagement. No, it was a re- it was a response to yours. It was like very unnecessary. But I was gonna say, in that case, like in my line of work, we work directly with our clients, so it's not like there are times to where. Um, our managers will assign us something. But for the most part, like clients call in and we assist them on the spot. So it's like the, um, I guess you could say the desire to just get shit done and not have to ask for permission to get shit done. It's the, uh, really, I, I think I, it all boils down to um, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Like I really do think that's my biggest issue when it comes to communication. I, I agree with you, Des, when it comes to um, how you feel at work. And I do agree with Brian that it could be a part of micromanaging because I hate that too. Um, one thing I do at work too that I don't necessarily always communicate, but until after the fact is when I'm with a kid and I start on something new, like I continue actual lesson to the next thing they're supposed to be doing. And then I might tell the supervisor after the fact, that's not bad. I mean, it's still me communicating, but it's also me taking initiative. You know what I mean? So I I do agree with Brian when he says it could be good and bad because you are actually doing something. But at the same time, you don't want to have like the management think that you're doing like two things at once or people are doing the same thing. Uh, So it's kind of different in my field. Like it's good for me. So that's I do that a lot as far as like going ahead, because I mean, if I'm going to be in where my manager is going to be like in that position, then I think I should be uh, taking those responsibilities. So yeah. I mean, it, it it's good, but at the same time, you got to make sure you communicate on the back end too. I don't really know always have to communicate because what I do enters into a computer where the management team is going to see anyway. So like, oh, he started this today. So, okay, gotcha. Boom. He doesn't have to necessarily, like, I can indirectly communicate that to you through the computer. You know what I mean? I don't have to necessarily text you every time I do something new with the kid. Like, oh, I'm doing this today. Yada, yada. You know what I mean? So I do think it depends, but I understand exactly what you guys are talking about. Sure. I just honestly, speaking, um, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Just speaking from a, from a management perspective, because I do have, I swear, I swear, I think I have a team of like nine people now. But just from my perspective from leadership, I do appreciate when the people that I work directly with, when they're forthcoming with stuff, because that, that lets me know that there's somebody that I can trust. Because if shit hits the fan, I know that they're going to be honest with me. I'm not going to find out about the project going south on Friday when it's been going bad Monday through, you know? So I think that's being more forthcoming and being more communicative to your manager or people in positions of authority that does that have that added benefit because it garners trust in the relationship. 
And so that's when it comes to somebody who does and doesn't do that, I most certainly want the person who does. If that's the only difference. In in cases like that, I think it's a good example. But even with myself, I know to communicate when shit goes bad. Like I'm not a after the fact at work. Like this is of course something I've got better with at time because there are times where shit has gone south and then I'll choose to communicate later. But for me, I definitely because we have Josh and I have had the you know managerial experience too, of course on a smaller scale, but like I definitely appreciated you know the um, my supervise my supervisees that would come out and you know tell me when shit needed to be done, like not me having to do maintenance on my own and find out and say, well somebody's been looking at this, you know, we're seven days a week, so somebody's been looking at this every day this week, and now it's Sunday and it's just now you know, being addressed, like, I definitely do appreciate as my time as a manager, um, during my time as a, as a manager, having those employees that were very proactive, like, I hated it in a sense, because it was like, nah, now I got more work to do or more work to assign. But as a manager, like I was, I'm very, um, I'm very uh, proud in the work that I do. So like, I was a great manager to work with, because I always communicated what needed to be done. But I was also very great as a manager, you know, not, you know, trying to fill my own cup or whatever. But I was also very great as a manager because I would oftentimes do it myself. Like I would assign some work that, hey, any Bob, Billy, Joe, or Sally can get this part done, but this I want to do. And I wanted to make sure that it got done correctly. So it, I, I definitely agree with you as far as like when it comes to having supervise, supervisees like you want those people that will communicate effectively and not tell you, you know, I know Josh may remember this example that I'm about to give, but like we had a, we had a birthday party that, um, that we were hosting at cloud nine and it was a, it was a Sunday early morning, you know, for the most part, not a lot of the stores that uh, we got our supplies from were open and we had no cups, no plates. And we have somebody that throughout the week, I believe they do it early in the week, like on a Tuesday, count supplies and we didn't know until the sunday that that party came in after the fact that he needed supplies orders it wasn't that supplies were ordered early in the week and they were on their way it was that he knew early in the week that supplies had not been ordered and didn't tell anybody until we had we addressed him about it and it was just like i was so mad that day that um i punched i punched the electrical box in our in our break room because it's just like (laughs) it was a European family. And if you know like anything about European families, like they're very to the point about how they feel. Like they don't sugarcoat anything. And there's like, so here we are at, at, at 10 a.m. on a Sunday and you guys don't even have, like, what are we paying this money for? Like they were very to the point. Like sometimes, I don't know if you've ever dealt with like an aggressive, a passive aggressive customer per se. Well, we'll just say aggressive. But, um, assertive. but it's aggressive. Like, okay. Let's say assertive. But um, they're afraid to be assertive or aggressive. Like they want to ask for that refund, but they want to ask for it in a passive tone while aggressively talking to you about everything you didn't do. Like, oh, I feel like we should get a re- refund or maybe we should be getting a refund for this. It's like, you're damn right. Maybe you should be getting a refund. But I'm not going to give you that shit. <laughs> but just being in that situation, man, it was like, it was so uncomfortable because your ability to control the situation or the possible outcome 
has been altered severely because you didn't get adequate time to prep for what needed to be said or what needed to be done. It's like in a moment, like you're uh, like you fail a class, but you're waiting until the final day to get your results and your parents are, are checking, checking your grades. I don't know if you had it in high school, but at our high school from all my years, like my parents could check my grades online. And so they're addressing me in my grades as our teachers are inputting them in. And I'm like, damn, I can't even come up with no lie as to why, why I got an F on this <laughs> test. Like you saw me playing the Xbox last night. Like I don't even, I don't even have a chance to lie about something. So, you know, it's like in those situations where you have literally no control over the outcome, whether it be both good or bad, like those are the situations that I hate the most. <laughs> But yeah, one job. Yeah, one job. <laughs> Yo, yeah, that's wild. That, that, that shit like that is annoying as fuck. <laughs> shit like that like, is annoying. John, uh, Brian, I know that's a cliche. Like you had one job, but he literally had one job. Like he didn't have to do any of the stuff that we had to do. His one job was to be a party coordinator and make sure supplies were stocked and make sure that parties were booked. Like that's literally I couldn't do it. Job. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. He like it wasn't like he was terrible at what he did, but it was like in it's like in those moments where you're needed the most, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And I think as much as I, I hate, you know, this um I mean it's very harsh truth, is like those are the moments that people remember the most. Yeah. I'd be in line with agreeing with that. But I know we've given a lot of examples or what we uh, perceive to be like effective communication. Like what's the number one thing like that that everybody has given? What's the number one thing? Like if we can have like a consensus on the most effective part of communication. For me, I think it's just being honest, like just making sure you're honest, because I feel a lot of people aren't just completely honest with everything. And one thing I was actually going to add was I feel like you have to have some t- some sort of empathy. Uh, I think Brian mentioned this a little bit, but having some sort of empathy is I think is really big uh, when it comes to effective communication. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can like talk to somebody and say you're honest to them and everything like that, but it's how you say it too. You know what I mean? I feel because sometimes on the game and uh, my niece Reagan comes into me and wants to talk to me. I'm like, Reagan, you don't see me uh, <laughs> trying to focus on the game right quick. Like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you, you, what do you, can you wait a little bit? Like what's going on? So uh, I think empathy is good too. Cause after that, I always feel bad. Like, right, come back. What, 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 what do you want? <laughs> come back. What do you want? Uh, so I think empathy is a big one. Um, I think everybody should have at least a little bit of it because without that, you just go into certain situations being completely honest and being completely cruel, and a lot of people can't handle that. So, I think that's or should they have too. to? That too, yeah. They don't have to. <laughs> Does to answer your question about, I guess, what's the consensus of the overarching theme that came about this conversation? I would say, I want to say the initiative that the communicator should take in the in the interaction between the two parties. And I know that's something that you and I agree on, Josh. I don't think that you were necessarily explicit when it came to that. Um, but I think that was a really big takeaway because us as people, we are, the three of us, I, I know personally are trying to continually improve ourselves and, and look for ways to, uh, I guess, minimize the, the amount of headaches in our life. 
And communication is, is probably one of the biggest ones that you can that you can start with immediately. Like communication will affect your career trajectory. It will affect your relationships. It will affect everything. There's, there's no single facet of your life that won't be improved by your communication skills. And so I think that by taking the initiative and owning that, because if you don't take the time to improve in these things and work that muscle, no one else is going to do it for you. There's no way that anybody else can make you better communicating. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel like I I am a very good communicator. And I, at the same time, I do try to push other people when I feel like they're having trouble with communicating. Like I try to push them like, why don't you communicate better? Why don't you actually explain what you want to do? And even when I'm talking to somebody, I always try to make sure I say it in a way that they can successfully understand it and everything like that. So there's no type of confusion or anything. So I do agree with you. Like, the initiator should definitely under, make sure he understands what he's saying and make sure he articulates in a proper way to the person that is uh, he's trying to communicate to. Um, but I do feel listening is a part of that too. But I, I do sure. agree with you. Yeah. I mean, that could be part of removing the boundary because, I mean, thinking about listen before I tell you what I have to say and talk my shit, I should listen to you and understand where you're coming from and understand like your frame of mind. So it could be saying, that, okay, well, Josh, maybe just based off of your demeanor and, and the things you said thus far, maybe it's not a good time to have a discussion like that. Or maybe there's something that you have on your chest that needs to be addressed before I can say what I have to say. So I think that that's where the listening component goes into the role of a communicator as well. Gotcha. There's what do you have for the, uh, I guess, big takeaway? Um, so I really loved what, we were able to break it down to like empathy and then, um, you know, the initiative, I think for me, my biggest takeaway from this conversation and what I feel like is the most important, you know, moving forward, like something that I want to practice. And when it comes to my communication is being present. Like, I feel like if we strip everything the way that we've said today, where it'd be miscommunications or, um, you know, even want to talk about empathy or we want to talk about, the most common form of ineffective communication. I think all of that is resolved by just being present. Like we 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 touched on how is it the person who's who's uh, communicating or is it the person that listening at fault when ineffective communication comes about? But I think being present negates that because when you're when you're present, there's this. It, it's really hard to explain, but everyone knows when they're truly present. Like there's a feel, there's no fear of the past. There's no fear of the future. Like you're, you're in that moment and you're responsive to all possible factors that come with being present in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I honestly truly think that with the proper work on yourself and, you know, the constant repetition, like being present is really a big part of effective communication or I honestly think now after having a conversation the most intricate part of effective communication because everything else that we talked about today is encompassed in being present being present allows you to empathize because you're 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 understanding those emotions as they come to you and you're responding appropriately you're not thinking about argument you have with your girlfriend you're not thinking about the fears of tomorrow you're not you're not thinking about all that you're you're present in the moment and, you know, as far as initiative goes, when you're present in the moment, you know what needs to be done to get to point A to point B. You know, hey, your manager needs to be notified of this. So you can get adequate time because a lot of it is, is just like your manager wanting to know how much time you need on a project. That's really all it is. But it's like you rob them of 
being proactive on their end by being reactive on your end. So I, I really do think that being present, you know, I think that's something that we'll continue to talk about in the future as we have on podcasts in the past. But I honestly think that being present is the most important form of communication because it, it allows you to do things like I said, my God brother did, where if you're receiving something, how he's not intending, then you have the wherewithal to take it a few steps back and like, hey, you may be interpreting it this way. I'm not sure, but this is how I'm how I like trying to communicate it to you. So you understand exactly what I'm saying. And if that's your same response, great. If it's not, great. We know we know which way to go from there. Like, you know, I, I think that that's so important because being present, it just allows you to stick with who you are. Like, if you're not present and a certain conversation happens, you may blow up and you're stuck with the regret of blowing up in that moment. Like, what was said in that moment is now, it, it's it's been spoken. It's in the universe. It's out there. That person now has to deal with what you said, whether you meant it or not. Like, that's that's there. So it's it's a, it's a very intricate part of communication, man. Like, especially effective communication. Like we came into the podcast, like I, I was really, um, you know, I didn't have like a list. Like I, I knew that, you know, how we are as a group, everything will be organic and our thoughts will ferment as we put them out there. And like being present, I think is really the most important. You know, I, I definitely love the empathy and the initiative aspect because those I feel like are just important, but I think being present encompasses all of those. I would agree with that, actually. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. What was the, what would you guys say the last thing you guys communicated to, communicated to somebody that you guys felt like really good about? Being honest when it's hard to be honest. And I know this, that's very, very vague, but so the concept of like, I guess one one common thing that I've noticed is that people can handle the truth when they don't like it. It'll be hard at first, but they can they'll adjust and respect you for that. Like yeah. But when when it when you lie to them, what you're doing, you're snatching the carpet from under them because they they have the idea reality is one thing, and then all of a sudden they're thrust into this other thing. And that's a, a huge take that my dad taught me when I was younger. He was like, I can deal with it. I don't care if if I don't like the that what you're telling me but as long as you're honest it's he's fine with it he could take me being honest so I could just take that take that mindset moving forward I really try to apply that so I guess a specific example was being transparent when it came to to dating and I guess a woman having the idea or she was asking was she the only one that I would be interested in going on a date with at that point in time and I said like I understand the consequences because so my idea is it's okay to date, date multiple people. I mean, dating is just getting to know each other. We, are, we had this conversation. So, <laughs> you know, my stance on it. And uh, I mean, once, once you're committed in a relationship, things change for certain, like that's all that's done. But I guess there was a, she had a different level of understanding of that. And so I understand that that could have been a potential turnoff and end to that. But I was, I, I stuck by, I was honest about the way I felt my stance on it. And ultimately she respected that so when I mean, we're still cool but I feel like that was uh that was something that I was really proud of because despite me potentially not getting quote-unquote the outcome that I wanted or what most people would want I still stood on what I believed in 
Yeah, I, I echo that to the T because my biggest thing is you tell the truth. If it's the outcome you don't want, you're stuck with the emotions, but it's better than saying it in that moment and having to deal with the emotions then than the truth coming out later and then having yep. to deal with everything that has been done from that moment. You had to tell the truth to the moment the truth comes out. And, you know, for me, it's like, I struggle with sometimes dealing with the emotions of telling the truth because it's always that what if, like I had the, like battling with my, I guess you want to say my inner child or my, my, you know, the flaws of my inner child. Like I had the ability to dictate an outcome and I chose not to, I chose to just let whatever was in store for me be in store and come to fruition. And I found that by doing that, whatever fallout you experience during that time, it's temporary. It's like, you're able, you're, you don't battle, you don't battle mentally, like thinking, well, damn, what if I would have told the truth then? Like this potential outcome would have been like you, you, you're stuck with dealing with what outcome came. Like you're not, your mind isn't thinking up all of these other, you know, possible outcomes that damn, if I would have told the truth or if I would have told a partial bit of the truth, like you're, you're just stuck with, you're stuck with the truth. Like you're stuck with what is versus what if, and we all know that what is, is a very straight path Whereas what is, is that maze trying to get to that, that, that point of sanity. So, you know, I, I definitely will, will echo that. Like, you know, for me, it was sexual history. So, you know, some people don't like to hear that. Some, some do. And, you know, I, I didn't like the response that I got, but I was able to, <laughs> Hey, I was able to, you know, move on from it a lot faster than what would have happened had I not told the truth right then. Right. When you tell the truth, regardless of the outcome, that's, that's the best possible thing to happen to you. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I agree with you guys. When you were talking about your dad and what your dad taught you, it kind of reminds me of a Malcolm X quote. I always think about when I'm thinking about, like, should I talk about this? Like, he says, um, so early in my life, I had to learn that if you wanted something, you better you better have make some noise. <laughs> and I always remember that, like, you better speak up and talk and say what you actually want. Uh, if you want anything, anything to become better, but I agree. Yeah. Actually getting it out and actually making sure you're completely honest seems like, okay, no matter what the outcome is, I got it out and I made sure I let them know like how I actually feel. Uh, for me, it was like, I, I once told a girl, like the sex is boring. Like uh, I'm getting bored with the sex in this relationship. You know what I mean? So that that was my quarrel and I, I told her like every time we have sex it seems like I'm trying to please you instead of you trying to please me or we trying to do it to each other you know what I mean so I said that <laughs> and even afterwards I felt better like she took it how it was she was like you know because imagine like telling a girl like sex is boring to a to a woman you know what I mean like <laughs> imagine saying Either. that <laughs> like well, what the fuck <laughs> like it's not that you're like unattractive it's just like what you're doing is not on par with what I want you know what I mean so and yeah I I do agree like it's about getting it out and being as honest as possible and yeah I think that's the biggest thing no matter what the outcome is no matter if you're like no fuck you nigga fuck you know fuck this I know fuck, you know no matter what <laughs> yeah I mean I, I said it you know I, I was I was I was I communicated how I wanted to so I think that's the biggest thing though but yeah it, it, it just reminds me of the actual Malcolm X quote like if you want something you better make some noise that's what I always think about. I guess after hearing all three of our responses to that, I think that 
one of the one thing that I've noticed about communication and how it affects relationships specifically is that one thing that people tend to discount is the fact they say, okay, well, communication is key. Communication is key. You need to be a, a better communicator and, and all that. But they don't, I don't think people really understand the idea behind when you are an effective communicator or when you practice it, inherently you get better and it improves the relationship over time. So like the communication, like with you having that difficult conversation, I'm, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't hear that. It probably was hard for you to say that too. You probably felt uncomfortable being that that of course you was thinking before, the of course i was thinking beforehand like do i really want to do i really want to say this like <laughs> fuck it <laughs> exactly but as a consequence i don't know what happened afterwards and i mean that's neither here nor there but in that lies a potential for both people to improve and satisfy each other even better if even if it was something like you said with with the sexual expectations or sexual satisfaction however you want to put it or whether it could be expectations over dinner like damn this dinner sucked or i mean you wouldn't say it like that obviously but like like maybe you should try doing this or I really didn't like that. You know, just that goes back to what I was saying about tact. But as a consequence, you're able to be more authentic because if you have uh, any kind of relationship with people where, where there's no kind of conflict, someone's not being genuine. There's, there's some la layer of fictitiousness that somebody is putting up. And I feel like if you don't communicate and if I guess if you, if you don't have those kind of uh, difficult conversations, because they're bound to be something that you, there is some kind, there's, there's some kind of degree of uh, disagreement on, then it's not really benefiting you. And I think the ultimate goal of communication and relationships is to improve, not just to fix shit, but improve and be better. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's what should come out of it, some type of improvement. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> if you have anything else, uh, I wouldn't mind wrapping up there. Cut uh, and print, beautiful guys. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm satisfied. I mean, I <laughs> I was prepared, but we're good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you have a recommendation of the week, says? Yeah, bro. So last two, catch a sunset or sunrise, take a hike. I did both. I went up to the uh. Hawksbill Loop in the Shenandoah um, Mountain, whatever you want to call it. And it's definitely a, a great time to reset, great time to sit back and just think. Uh, first, while time working out, like, first time working out in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of hike into it. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely had to watch over that one. Bro, so <laughs> quick sidebar. I didn't realize how bad it was. Like my heart rate was 180 the entire time going up the trail to get to the summit. Like my heart rate is. What's your resting heart rate? My heart. Uh, I can tell you right now. Give me a second. <laughs> I need some, I like someone to compare it to. So you said his lowest, heart, his resting heart rate. Uh, resting. Uh, it's probably about seven. Looks like my resting rate is 65. And so, like, just at a workout at the gym, what is that? You know, off top. Uh, yeah. So, like a regular at workout. The peak, at the peak of my set, I don't know my resting during a workout. Um, I'm pretty sure if I go back and I check my, I probably won't even get an accurate answer based off my workouts because sometimes I forget to cut it off until like 30 minutes after the workout's finished. Mm -hmm. But I do know, um, like, at the peak of a set, it it typically caps out around the same number, like around 163. Okay, but you said 180. 
Yes, bro. Like that, I'm I, I'm telling you. Fighting you fight like, for your I, life. <laughs> <laughs> like the R. Kelly gift. Bro, I was fighting for my my brother is like what six six two, six three now. So he's taking these long ass steps up the mountain. Like I'm over here struggling. Bro's over here having a full conversation with me while I'm over here breathing heavy <laughs> as hell. I'm like, man, let me check my heart rate real quick. 180. I didn't even say nothing because I'm like thinking to myself, like, damn. I remember being his age and feeling in, invincible. Like I remember to this day, like I ran cross country when I was his age and my heart rate would barely break a hundred at times when I was running. And people used to be so mind blown by that. Like my heart rate is 90. We're running two, three consecutive miles and I'm up at going up a hike and he's cool, like fresh legs, everything. And I'm, I'm over here, like, got hands on my hip, trying to, go, <laughs> trying to climb, up, climb up the rocks. I'm like, God damn, like, you really do get old. Like, you don't feel it as it's happening, but you feel it in certain circumstances. Because I went hiking when I was his age, too, and I remember how easy and fun it was. And I was like, God damn, like, I'm really getting old or older, per se. But, yeah, I, I knocked those two recommendations out in one in one go this past weekend. Um, My recommendation this week, comes as a result of like actually getting that peace and it's like write down what it is you love to do and work endlessly at, at getting it done like commit yourself to whatever you know your craft is I know a lot of times you know we have circumstances whether it be nine to fives or children or you know family issues whatever but like when you commit yourself to your craft like all that other shit is just it's just side noise like you need to address what you need to address you need to put in time what you need to put in time for but like I would challenge everybody that does listen to, you know, figure out what it is you want to do, write it down, what you expect from it, and 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 work tirelessly at getting it done. I know when I personally do that, waking up at 5 a.m. is a lot easier than what it is when I'm, you know, not understanding what my purpose is. Because sometimes when you do write it down, you do lose sight of your end goal, and waking up can be a little bit harder. But when you constantly remind yourself what it is, like, I have a note on my, um, I'm starting to get really big on affirmations. I have a note on my work laptop because work is oftentimes what will get me to, um, you know, disconnect from what my true end goal in life is. And like, I have a sticky note written right under the keypad and it says, believe in yourself every fucking day. You have the tools to change your life. What are you waiting for? Get after it and don't quit. And I read that shit every time I open up my laptop. So that's a constant reminder for me to stay, you know, committed to what it is that I feel like I'm supposed to do in this life. And, you know, the albums are cool. The books are cool. But, you know, words of affirmation and, you know, advice on ways to reset and disconnect, whatever, motivate it, however you want to, you know, sum this all up. I think that's that's more, the mental jewels are way better than the, the albums. The, the albums will come back, but I'm at a, I'm in a renaissance period. We'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. You heard him. Go write a fucking note. Get out of here. But if you guys like the discussion, don't forget to hit the like button. We're going to see you guys next week. Peace.